You're listening to The Nation with Chris Lowe of ESPN.com and Austin Price of ValQuest.com. Presented by Mortgage Investors Group. All right, welcome back to segment number two here on The Nation. Let's go straight to the phone lines, AP, and welcome in special guest, the SEC Commissioner, Greg Sankey. Greg, how are you? I'm well, thank you. I hope you gentlemen are well. Great. Listen, they say timing's everything, Greg, and uh, a little bit to talk about here in the SEC. I want to ask you about last night. As you're watching the end of that Tennessee Ole Miss game unfold, watching the stoppage, uh, the delay, the things being thrown from the stands, what was going through your mind as you watched that? Well, there's a level of disappointment and probably morphs into uh, uh, anger in the moment because it was such a great atmosphere and uh, intense competitive game. Back and forth, the game was still in doubt. Um, and then to have the actions of a few overshadow uh, the excitement of many and the competition of our coaches and our young people uh, kind of ends in sadness. And then in the moment, is it, I have a responsibility to find out what's going on. We wanted to, we wanted to finish the game, so I was on the phone uh, with a number of people trying to accomplish just that, which... Uh, I'm grateful we were able to get back to play, but the game like that, the game should never be interrupted in that manner. Was there ever any discussion, Greg, that the game would be stopped with 54 seconds, or was you, were you guys always looking for a way to finish it no matter what? No, it was on my mind. Uh, I'll say that. Um, I was clear in a couple messages that, um, you know, I was of the mindset that we, we could stop if, if order couldn't be restored. Um, I wanted to be patient. Um, our officials are charged on the field initially with managing uh, potential disruption. Uh, give them credit for how they managed and communicated. Uh, appreciate the patience of the people involved in a difficult circumstance and the work uh, to allow play to resume. But, again, under no circumstances should that ever take place. Would it make more sense, Commissioner Sankey, if it, it, I guess, how do you how do you stop that from happening again? And if it happened again, would the prudent play be to exit, you know, evacuate the stadium and let the kids just play in front of no one to finish the game? Because obviously Tennessee's players did nothing that would warrant the game ending with 54 seconds to go uh, to give the student athlete a chance to finish out the game. Well, that was the work that was done last night in that situation. Um, we've set expectations for game management responsibility. Those rest with the home institution. I uh, appreciate the conversations I've had uh, today to address the issues. Um, and we'll use this with our other 13-member institutions to remind them of the expectations that we have. Um, you, you start with... When things are thrown on the floor, we have a, a, a commissioner's regulations that says uh, those individuals uh, who are involved in those violations need to be clearly identified and, and ejected when it's happened in the past. Uh, we have dealt with this on an individual-type basis with the expectation those, those people not be permitted back in athletic events uh, for, for the remainder of the season or year. I'm a fan of the longer uh, withholding. When we uh, modified our alcohol policy, we also introduced um, uh, the reality of financial penalties and potential discontinuation of alcohol availability um, because it's viewed as a privilege. It's obviously new. 
Um, I'm not to that point right now. We'll uh, make game management announcements tomorrow like we do every week, but people need to know we as a league take these matters seriously. Okay, so back to the the on-the-field game. Um, (laughs) What what can be done for the stoppages for all these these injuries? I mean, again, some of the kids last night, and I felt bad for the ones that actually did get hurt, but then there were several times where kids just went down because they're trying to slow pace of play and so on and so forth. How can college football be better in that regard? What what is what steps would you like to see be done? Um, you know, because that's happening more and more across the landscape. It is, and it's it's a national issue. It's not a, a, an issue that's local to any one team or any one conference, and and that's why last year when it was time for the football rules committee to conduct its annual survey, I was pretty specific that a player who's injured to the point where they cannot exit the field under their own power should automatically be withheld for a period of time. And there were ideas of the next three plays, the whole series, um, the rest of the period. Um, I think that merits um, additional consideration. The Rules Committee of the NCAA is charged with making these decisions. They have reasons for not advancing that philosophy, yet... Uh, as we've got more pressure around hurry-up type offenses, and those the, the pace of those offenses is even faster than what we may have seen five or ten years ago in hurry-up offenses, uh, that tactic is manifesting itself. And there, you know what? On the other hand, there were people being booed last night who were who were injured, really injured. And we have to filter out the, the gamesmanship from reality. People have to have patience because the officials' job is to honor the injury. They're not there to diagnose. They're there to stop the game, and we're going to tend towards player safety. But can the rules be adjusted that accompanying the the ability, the inability of a participant to exit the field on their own power would be a period of withholding to make sure they're okay? We're visiting with SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey. Maybe we go to the NBA flop rule, Greg. That's, I remember when they put that in a few years ago. Um, back to football. SEC Everybody knows it's going to grow by two teams here in a few years, Oklahoma and Texas joining the league. As you guys examine once they come aboard the scheduling and trying to make the league more representative where teams don't go 10 years, let's say, without playing, how do you go about doing that? Is that, is that a priority to you to sort of see that whether it's Texas A&M and South Carolina or Tennessee and Ole Miss, these schools that don't play much over the course of, say, a decade, play more regularly during, say, a kid's time four or five years on campus? Your opening statement about timing is everything is never more true than in the question of expansion since that was, what, the middle of media days when the <laughs> right. Houston Chronicle story broke. So I have lived with timing to everything. And, you know, we scheduled this, what, two weeks ago, and uh, I always want to honor those commitments even though there are, are difficult issues um, to talk about. And, and on this one, uh, you know, we're, we're almost – three months from our media days. I think this week would be three months since that news story leaked. Um, what I asked up front and what we've been working on is, is first of all, for our membership, just take a step back from kind of the way we've done things for the last almost 30 years since we went to divisions and 12 teams and look at every option. Blue sky thinking is how I labeled that expectation. Let's look at every option. And then the second principle is, how do we rotate teams through campuses more frequently? Um, and then thirdly, we want to honor some of the great traditions in this conference. And, and that's a challenge. 
and I think we're up to it. But what we've not done is take a lot of options off the table yet. We continue to look at whether it's divisions, as we have now. Um, you've heard, like, the, the label pods or quads. We need to figure out, a, a like, a more creative label for that description where you might move groups of four around into different divisions uh, from year to year to accelerate teams playing each other. Or, or maybe even the single division idea, just one league standing where you everybody rotates through more frequently. Uh, well, we've heard from our athletics directors, and we just provided a pretty lengthy report and a, a survey analysis and, and even more discussion was more of a tendency to want to rotate the entire conference through every campus on a more frequent basis, which will alter uh, our approach. And um, I think it's a really healthy conversation. What people miss is this was about to happen anyway. So even without expansion, we'd be in a football scheduling conversation as we as we come towards the end of our 12-year post-14 team expansion uh, football scheduling cycle. Greg, I guess it's next month that you uh, we have the playoff committee meetings do you have a feel for what the expectation what the recommendation might be to the school presidents about expansion of the playoff uh how many teams would there be expansion etc the uh you know the 12 team format obviously i was involved in that uh, a lot of work a lot of analysis you know i think everybody's heard 60 plus models um my view is if we're going to expand that's still the optimal model and that's because you're going to have conferences like our own and some others who want to make sure we have the best teams from a competitive standpoint. We have other conferences who want to make sure there's conference champion representation. And to do that at a number less than 12 and have any meaningful assurance of conference champions just doesn't work very effectively. You know, the notion of an 18 playoff where you're allocating five or six of those spots to conference champions, when you look over time, you'd be replacing potentially the seventh uh, or sixth ranked team in the country with the 20th ranked team in the country or the 16th ranked team in the country. And that just doesn't work from a credibility standpoint. And we have to acknowledge that reality. Uh, so my view is uh, the 12 team model, if we're going to expand, is the optimal model. I've said repeatedly, even at the beginning of the format discussions, we as a league are fine with the four best teams forming the college football playoff. And in fact, post-expansion, I still feel that way. Um, if there were those who wanted to discuss the eight best teams, I think we'd have that conversation, but we'd really have to understand uh, the value proposition there. And it's not present in the short term, and I'm not convinced it is there in the long term either. Commissioner Sankey, you look at the league, um, you know, obviously every league has officiating problems from time to time. How, how, do, you, how do you all go about, you know, uh, you know, divvying up, you know, assignments week to week? Uh, you know, it seemed like last night's crew was the same one that had the Mississippi State-Memphis um, botch at the end of that game. Um, how, how do you go about trying to, to make sure that your best officials are in the biggest games? Or is it just a simple luck of the draw, or how do you go about it? No, you have, to, you have to take a step back and look at the big picture of officiating. So I guess the big picture now is I was looking at social media uh, for NFL games, and everybody's mad at the NFL officials right now for one reason or another. I was with um, some NFL team personnel a few weeks ago, and they looked me straight in the eye and said they'd trade our officials for theirs. 
any day of the week. And they, they meant that as a sign of respect for our officials. And there's going to be disagreement. They're human, and, and we do hold officials accountable. Uh, but we also have a limited pool of officials. And so they're going to rotate through campuses. They're going to rotate through teams. Um, and they all have qualified as officials. And we do hold officials accountable. Uh, just because people complain or perceive a call to be uh, incorrect doesn't mean uh, the social media statements about errors are, in, in, in fact, correct. Um, you're going to be close calls that people dispute and see different ways. Um, the situation in, in the Mississippi State-Memphis game, we were clear about. We had an official that made an errant signal to stop a play. Uh, I think we've managed that appropriately. Uh, because one official does something, doesn't uh, penalize the entire crew because the remainder of that particular play uh, was consistent with the rules, as difficult as it is to understand. Uh, but officiating is a tough task, and we have to understand that. And we try uh, diligently to get it right. Um, and when we're not, um, we, we hate that. I know the officials hate it more than anyone else. And just because people perceive error doesn't mean actual error is present in a game. Chris is at, Chris asked you about the expansion stuff a minute ago. Um, because Texas and Oklahoma will join the conference, whether it be next year or, or, or a couple of years from now, um, do you find yourself kind of watching what they do on a weekly basis at this point? Do you already kind of – you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no. You haven't, you haven't given me any smile questions, and you did right there, actually. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I, I have paid a different level of attention. So – uh, last week was the was the Red River Shootout in Dallas, and uh, I had a number of TVs. We had three of our own games happening, so I couldn't I couldn't devote full attention, but I did pay attention. And last night I flipped over a couple of times uh, to TCU Oklahoma just real quick to see what was happening. You know, we're focused on the July twenty July first, twenty twenty five entry date. Uh, Texas and Oklahoma have a relationship with the Big Twelve Conference that includes agreements that put us at that date. Um, and so as we look at football scheduling, we have subgroups looking at all of our sports scheduling right now. Um, that is very much our focus. You know, could things change? I'm not counting on that. We'll adapt as we need to. Uh, but uh, I continue to elevate my attention around what happens in those programs. Well, Greg, my friend, we appreciate you spending some time with us. Appreciate your candor. And uh, it's, it's always great to talk um, some stuff on the field, some stuff off the field, but hey, it's that's why. What's what's the old saying? That's why it means more. No, it uh, it does, and we don't want it to go over the boiling point. And as I said, we're disappointed what happened last night. Uh, I give credit to the Tennessee fans within that stadium, a hundred thousand people. What ninety nine point nine percent of the people were were well behaved. They were passionate. Um, that's the kind of expectation we have for everyone, and so we have to adjust. Uh, there's accountability to be applied, and we never want to see that again. And, and we look forward to the next opportunity to show the great passion in the positive way around SEC football and Tennessee football. Well, well as you try to figure out who are, who all were throwing things, if you find the guy that throw the golf ball, I'm going to scramble next month. Each guy gets a throw. I'd like <laughs> to get him on my team with that kind of precision. <laughs> Yeah, but I don't think you want to play with a yellow golf ball. No. It'll cost you more in the side side conversations, if you know what I mean. Greg, man, thanks again. We appreciate it. Look forward to catching up with you down the road this year at some SEC venue. Okay. Take care, everyone.